Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, good Tuesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, all to start the show this afternoon. And coming up in, well, a little while, we'll talk, check in with Brian Haydad as well. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them at mslandbank.com where they know the lay of the land. They've been financing land at Mississippi Land Bank for 100 years. And if you're in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs of any kind, then check them out. You can find the website, again, mslandbank.com. If you go there, you can see where the branch locations are in North Mississippi. You can also find a phone number to give them a call and talk to them about what it is that you are looking for. They are great people. I, I say that like almost every day, great people at Mississippi Land Bank. That's not because they asked me to say that. That's because of the personal interaction that I've had with them. Over the course of the last seven years or so, really gotten to know uh, and trust and like and really be impressed with the entire operation at Mississippi Land Bank. So if you've got land financing needs, give them a call or stop by one of their branch locations in North Mississippi. A lot of fun yesterday at College Corner in Flowood. Enjoyed being there with Scott Wern and uh, the entire crew at College Corner. They've got a couple of locations in the Jackson area, in Ridgeland, and also uh, at the new location where we were yesterday in Flowood. And, man, that three hours went by in a hurry yesterday with a ton of news from the weekend rolling in to the start of the new week. Hey, Borky. What's up? And everything's good. How's your Tuesday? Tuesday's okay. Um trying to actually do some semblance of reporting because that's what mm-hmm. my education level says that I'm capable of doing. Yeah, what are you trying to report on? The Ole Miss defensive coordinator search. But the oh, yeah. thing is, can't get anything. And it's really frustrating because I don't do this very often. And now that I'm trying to do it, I still am having a hard time getting anywhere. But at least it seems like everybody else is also having a hard time getting anywhere either. Yeah, the the name that uh, was very, very popular yesterday and maybe kind of going back over the weekend was uh, Pete Golding, who is Alabama's co-defensive coordinator alongside uh, Tosh Lupoy. He was handed play-calling duties for the majority of the games kind of after the uh, the trip to Arkansas. Uh, I think the Alabama defense, including the SEC championship game, finished ninth in the country in total defense. There were some really big numbers that were thrown around. Um, with regard to what Ole Miss would be willing to pay Pete Golding. Uh, I had someone who I think should be in the know tell me yesterday that uh, all signs were that he was going to stay at Alabama. And um, there's been a little bit of conflicting report there. Uh, Everything that I've been able to gather is 
that the Ole Miss defensive coordinator job was his to turn down. And that uh, obviously Mike McIntyre's name has been prevalent as well. I'm not breaking any news or any new ground there. I mean, that's more probably of a confirmation of what you've read in, in other places. But um, there's still some thought by maybe the most optimistic people that uh, there could be a change of heart with Pete Golding. Uh, I, I don't have any information to make me believe that that's the case or that's going to be the case. Uh, but there are some people that are still holding out hope for that. Yeah, and I guess if they haven't received a formal no, there's still always a chance, right? If there's still time left on the clock in a game, you you have a chance to win regardless of what the score is because there's still time left. So if Ole Miss hasn't been said no to formally, then presumably he is still at least considering it in some capacity. The thing is you don't want to wait because you're – your backup plan, and, and if that's exactly how it's set up, if it's Pete Golding one and, and then Mike McIntyre two, those are two really good options. Your fallback plan, your plan B, would still be a pretty excellent hire considering the circumstances, but you don't want to drag your feet because he's going to have other options himself. So you don't want to rush Pete Golding because if he's still considering you, he's still considering you, and that means you have a chance, but you need to get an answer soon because – now Louisville can come calling to Mike McIntyre, and if he's not sure about Ole Miss, he might just take a job because he needs to have one rather than waiting for uncertainty. So it's a yeah. fine line you've got to balance, but if, if that's really their final two and they end up with one of those two, it's a really good defensive coordinator search that Matt Luke put on. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Rippy, know you've been following this story uh, as well, and you know Borky pointed out a second ago that information a little hard to come by on this one. Anything that you've been able to gather that uh, is maybe different than than anything we just said? Um, not necessarily. I know it was reported earlier in the day that um, he had told, or I guess he had turned down Matt Luke's kind of offer. From what I've been told, they haven't heard anything yet. But other than that, in terms of a formal no. Um, that, that they haven't heard anything yet, and it seems like more of a waiting game in terms of a formal answer, but other than that, kind of much of the same. Yeah, and, you know, the the Pete, if you're still not entirely sure who that is, Pete Golding is a young, hot name in coaching. He um, uh, he played his college football at Delta State. He's kind of an undersized safety and, by all accounts, was a really good player. Uh, in his time at Delta State, he... Um, I guess kind of jumped on everybody's radar with the job that he did. What was it at ULM, um, and was scooped up by Nick Saban and uh, brought on board at Alabama. Uh, he was initially brought on as the tenth assistant on that staff, and uh, pretty rapidly uh, rose to the uh, the rank of co-defensive coordinator and uh, had a lot more responsibility. Uh, thrust on his shoulders. So we'll just wait and see uh, where that goes. And uh, if any news comes our way, we'll certainly pass it along to you. Biggest news today, not just in college football, but I guess in the entire sports world, is that Urban Meyer is retiring, stepping down, however you want to describe it, from Ohio State immediately following the Rose Bowl. And Ryan Day, who was the interim head coach during Urban Meyer's absence for the first four games of the season, is um, is going to be the head coach going forward. The interesting thing to, to me about that is that with Ryan Day, there were some that were surprised that he's the guy that was handed the, the reins of the program in Urban Meyer's absence because you've got other guys on that staff that had head coaching experience. He did a good job or seemed to do a good job. 
And as opposed to running the risk of losing him altogether, Urban Meyer, uh, excuse me, uh, Gene Smith in Ohio State just said, you're going to be the head coach. Um, I'm really surprised they didn't do a search, though. I mean, I guess if you believe in a guy, you believe in a guy. And if that's the case, then don't waste any time. But, man, Ohio State is one of a handful, and there's not even really a handful of jobs in college football that do not get better. There is no better job in college football than Ohio State. There are some that are equal to it, but there's no better job in all of college football than that school. They can recruit whoever they want. Uh, The fan support is unlimited. The money is unlimited. And they didn't even try to search. I was just surprised by that fact. So if you were in Gene Smith's position as athletics director and Urban Meyer came to you and said, hey, I'm going to coach the Rose Bowl, and then that's it. I, I just can't do it from a health standpoint anymore. This season has been trying on me. The off season was trying on me. The headaches have gotten worse. But it, it's a arachnoid cyst uh, that he has to deal with uh, going back a decade or so. Had surgery, I think it was in 2014, uh, to remove some of the, uh, I guess, the pain or the pressure that went along with um, with that issue that he was having so if urban meyer comes to you and and says i'm done after the rose bowl and you're in gene smith's chair which way would you have gone borky i mean i i hear what you're saying about a national search being that it, it, it was surprising but who would you go after to be your head coach i i know this sounds silly but you do make a phone call to dabo sweeney you do it he, he probably is going to say no but you at least pick up the phone and call him don't you I guess so. I mean, what what are you going to offer Dabo that Clemson can't or won't? Probably nothing, but you at least make the phone call. Okay. Try to maybe give him a potential raise. Uh, I, people floated Matt Campbell out there. I don't know if he's won enough to justify that. I would look at somebody... Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Yeah, and I'm sure he would be much better with better resources, but, I mean, you have... No matter who the coach is, when Ohio State calls, they pick up the phone. No matter who it is. They may not go, but they at least entertain it. Do you want to go through that search, though, where you go after Dabo Sweeney and pick three other massive names that you believe are there in college football, and they tell you no? Yeah, and then that it would be very public because of the school that it is. And, and I guess the other part of this is if you think that you can move forward without missing a beat, that, that you've got a guy on staff who knows the program, knows the recruits, you feel like you lose no recruiting momentum, and you have seen him work, you, you've been able to watch him up close work, and you saw him as the head coach of your football t- team. There, there's something to be said for that. If you really believe in somebody, we don't have to do a search. We believe this is the right guy. And Ohio State is a place where there's not a lot of coaching turnover. I think I read seven coaches in the last 50 years. Ryan Day is the first coach with no head coaching experience to be given the full-time job, not be an interim. You had Luke Fickle do that for one year uh, when they uh, when they moved on from uh, Tressel. Oh, Jim Tressel, sweater vest. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. It was interesting watching some of Urban Meyer's press conference today, more the question and answer period of 
that press conference, he uh, had a little bit of a lighthearted joke. He said, uh, you know, I assume that Ryan Day is going to be in four states tomorrow. And he looked over, he said, I mean, he better be. <laughs> He's like, we lost a week of recruiting playing in the uh, the Big Ten championship game. And he was talking about the December early signing period and the pressure that that has put on college football coaches and the entire college football world. And then he dropped a statistic, a percentage. And, guys, I think we knew that this was a big number, the, the number of kids that are signing early as opposed to waiting to February. But the number that Urban Meyer threw out was 92%. So 92 out of every 100 kids that are going to sign a national letter of intent are going to do it on or immediately after December 19th. We have a new signing day. Hey, this What I used to do in college, would I would skip class and sit and watch signing day, and, and I remember even following it along when I was not allowed to skip class in high school. That day in February, signing day is over as far as how we look at it and how the recruits and the teams look mm-hmm. at it. And, I mean, programs all over the country, basically every program with the exception of of a few, wait until after the signing period to make staff changes. Right. It's completely yeah, Because there's the just offseason. not enough time. There's just not enough time to really pull off what you want to do in making staff changes and get those guys on the road between the end of when the regular season ends and – this early signing period. Is hey Dad with us now? Yes, he is. He's Brian Haydad jumping on the Farm Bureau phone line. He's in Starkville this afternoon. Kind of a, a way to dovetail with that idea, hey Dad, is that Mississippi State, you know, National Signing Day again, 15 days away. Yeah. Is that right? Two weeks from tomorrow. And they're losing a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Now, we've talked some about this. And the yeah. fact that there are a lot of good players that were backups or had playing time, but there are a lot of spots that have to be filled next year, but then you want to continue to stock the cupboard so that as guys graduate or as guys leave early, you're not in the scramble mode where you've got to try and rebuild an entire offensive or defensive side of the ball because you've recruited at a consistently good level. Yeah. Uh, and when you look at this defense going into next year, yeah, I mean, you're right. There's some huge losses. You know, Montez Sweat, Jeff Simmons hasn't declared yet, but I think that's just a matter of time, obviously. Sure. Uh, Abram, McLaurin, Jamal Peters. And then you lose some depth guys, too. Braxton Hoyette and Corey Thomas have been, you know, good guys. They've been starters uh, at different times in their career. Uh, Chris Rayford, not so defensively, has been good as special teams, maybe one of the best special teams players MSU has ever had. Um, so a lot of guys there, yeah, they're, they're not going to be here next year. But one of the things about this MSU defense in 2018 was they played a lot of guys, especially up front. And you think of next year at defensive end replacing Green and Sweat, you're going to have Chauncey Rivers, who's, who was really good this year. Uh, he'll, he'll probably take over the starting spot along with Kobe Jones, who I thought was really good. Um, Lee Autry was very, very solid uh, in the middle when he got a chance to play. So you've got some guys there. Linebacker, you should be really good next season with Leo Lewis, Errol Thompson, Willie Gay. I mean, that's as good a trio as it, maybe you're going to find in the SEC, especially with Thompson, who was second-team All-SEC on the AP ballot. He really came on this year, and Willie Gay showed a lot of potential as well. You bring back Cameron Dantzler in the secondary at cornerback, second-team All-SEC AP. 
I look at him and I see another Jonathan Banks. I mean, he he is he's got that same kind of frame. He is just a mm-hmm. really good cover corner. I thought Maurice Smitherman played really well this year, so he's back next year. You'll probably move Jaquarius Landrews and Brian Cole to the safety positions. They played a lot this year at that star. Um, they'll probably take over for Abrams and McLaurin, and then I would see Marcus Murphy maybe move up to the star position. So, you know, a lot of guys that played this year. Then you have your class of 2018 guys, guys especially on the defensive line, uh, two in particular, Jaden Crumity and Fabian Lovett. I think those are two guys that will be – they'll play a big role for MSU next season. And then you mentioned signing day. That's where states – you know, the strength of its, of its class this year is in the defense. Nathan Pickering, Charles Moore, DeMonte Russell, Jerrion Jones, uh, King Ani. I'm still not going to do the uh, – the last name on that kid. I don't think I can get through it. Uh, Juco safety Fred Peters coming in from Jones County. Uh, that's a guy they, they expect to maybe come in and maybe play sort of a similar role that Abram played this year for Mississippi State. So Mullen did a good job of stocking the cupboard defensively, and it looks like, you know, starting with last year's class and then going into this year's class, that Moorhead's doing a good job there as well. So is this defense going to take a step back next year? Almost assuredly. It, will it be a top five defense? Probably not. But a top 20 defense? That, that's very much uh, very much doable for Mississippi State, I think. It, if they are a top 20 defense, then it still gives you a chance to win. Oh, and, yeah. And win yeah. big. Now, I, I would – I don't know if you agree with this or not. But I would say if you look at the top 10 defenses in the country this year, and I don't have that list in front of me, but we do know that Mississippi State was a top 5 defense. Right. Alabama was a top 10 defense. I think they finished at 9 in total defense, including the SEC championship game. Almost all of the schools, and I'm guessing here, would have defenses that start with an elite defensive line. Mississippi State certainly had that with with Simmons and Sweat anchoring that defensive line. I, I don't know where Clemson finished in total defense this year, but they had studs on the defensive yeah. line. Quentin Williams, uh, you know, I guess he and Jeffrey Simmons, you could argue back and forth, were the best interior defensive linemen in the SEC this year. For sure. And you didn't sure. know that necessarily about Alabama. But I would say the best defensives dominate up front. And so my question for Mississippi State, because I agree with you about that linebacking group. I, I think there's an argument to be made that that'll be the best linebacking core in the SEC. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably going to be pretty good in the back end, but can they still be good to great in the front four? And and that's the key. I mean, I think you can replace Sweat with Rivers. I think Rivers can give you that same kind of production. He's he's a very, very good player. And, and when he got to play this year, I thought he was very, very effective. What was Replacing the total sack? Was it 11 and a half? Was that the sack, final sack, sack number? For Sweat, yeah. Yeah, for Sweat. Now, can you get 11 and a half? I don't know. But can you get eight or nine? I think so. Uh, and I think I think Kobe Jones is going to be a good player for Mississippi State, too. He's He's been impressive every time I've seen him on the field. Replacing Simmons is the hard thing um, because – he was, I mean, for a team that doesn't recruit a lot of five stars, he's one of them. And, and you mm-hmm. know, he delivered basically from day one. He was a productive player, and then he became an elite player. And this, this year he became one of the best defensive players in college football. That's going to be tough to replace. But the thing is, though, you don't, he, you don't have to replace him. I feel like if you've seen Moneyball where they talk about trying to replace Jason Giambi in the aggregate, you know, you just got to if, – if a couple of guys are giving you his production – that's going to be okay. And that, that's, that's what's going to drop State's defense down from top five to top 20 is not having Simmons. So, uh, not, the, other guy, the other guys I think you can replace. And, and another thing to consider in this is 
the the biggest guy to replace is a guy you don't want to have to replace. Whatever Bob Shoop is requiring for another year, and it looks like he's going to come back. You know, some of the head coaching opportunities he was tied to have filled up. Mississippi State needs that that continuity at defensive coordinator. They can't afford to do this. Would be uh, five and five years, I think, and maybe ten in the last twelve years, something like that. So for Mississippi State, they have to keep Bob Shoup on board. And I, I, from what I can tell, from what I've heard, they're going to make a great effort to do that. And I think he, I think he will be a part of this staff next season. I, I'm not pulling this comparison out of thin air. You actually mentioned this, I think it was one day last week, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about dominant defensive linemen. So Robert Kimdichie is a name that, that you would come up, not because his numbers, because interior defensive linemen generally don't have great numbers, right? I, I mean... That they do right. other things, but when Robert Kendici was on the field for Ole Miss, he was at the top of the scouting report, and usually there were two guys and sometimes three guys that were assigned to either trying to block him or help in blocking him. Jeffrey right. Simmons got that same kind of treatment. Same treatment. Yeah. So you're, I understand what you're saying about in the aggregate. You know, it, it can can you replace him with multiple guys? Yes. From a production standpoint, but won't offenses look at that position a little bit differently if you don't have that guy that can just blow everything up if you don't double-team him almost every play? They will. They will, for sure. But I think State has enough talent out there that it, it's not going to ruin the game plan. I think that, you know, yeah. yeah, they may not have to have that guy getting double-teamed, but they still have people who can bring pressure. They still have good linebackers. They're still good in the secondary. So, will like that like I said, that's going to be the difference between being top 5 and top 20. When I say top 20, that's a good defense. Top 5 is elite. That that's the difference. They're still going to be yeah. really really good defensively next season. That's a heck of a list now. Gary Green Jeffrey Simmons, Braxton Hoyette, who you mentioned is a, a reliable backup that had a good career, Montez Sweat, Mark McLaurin, who two years ago was tied for the lead in the SEC um, in, in interceptions, Jonathan Abram, who may have played himself into a first-round pick. First round, yeah, I think so. Peters, Rayford, Grant Harris. It's a lot of, uh, that's a lot a lot of, of dudes, talent. That's yeah. why they were so good this year. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that, that that that's how you have a top five defense. Sports Talk Mississippi. People hate Brian Haydad on Twitter. I'm going to ask him why coming up next. Yeah. We're going to transition into this now? A little, little Christmas music for the bump music? Yeah, I know Will East is strongly against it, so for the six days that I'm out, you won't get any. But between now and, th- and Friday, you're going to get it. And then when I come back all the way through Christmas, you're going to get it. Why is Will against Christmas music? I have no idea. But he refuses to play it on our shows. Oh. Even though he... It's probably because he's been working, I mean, as hard as possible, getting a... I guess it's 48 hours worth of Steve Azar hosted Christmas music we've got coming your way on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So Yeah, that's going to be cool. Putting all of that together, I'm sure, makes you never want to hear Christmas music again. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, um, so, hey, Dad, I, I noticed I, I was tagged in some little series of tweets in there. I'm not sure why exactly I was tagged in there, but there's some people... Uh, and and maybe it's just a couple of them that really don't like you or are really mad at you on Twitter. What's that all about? Well, I I, I had the audacity 
the the sheer nerve, if you will, to say that I understood why Mike Loxley won the Broyles Award. Okay, the Broyles Award, the Broyles Trophy, goes to the top college football assistant coach. It's yeah. put on by the Little Rock uh, Little Rock Touchdown Club, Football Club, Quarterback sure. Club, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, David Basil kind of heads that that up. They've really turned it into a, a nice award. It's a really nice recognition for assistant coaches. Bob Shute was one yeah. of the finalists. Yeah, and I said on my podcast, I think I've said on this show, I've said on Twitter many times, I thought Bob Shute was a very deserving candidate, and if he, he should have probably won it, in my opinion. But the sheer weight of Alabama's offensive numbers sort of carried Mike Loxley to that win, I would imagine. And so I said, I understood that. And for that, I have taken a beating today on social media. Two and questions. One, how dare you? I know, right? And, and number two, I mean, how dare you? Benedict Haydad. Rippy's here? Where did he come from? <laughs> hey, hey, Rippy. Let, Rippy, let, let, me, let me read you this. And I, I want your reaction, Brian Scott Rippy, to what Fred, with a PH, says about Haydad. Mm. Hey, State fans, we've identified a fake Mississippi State fan amongst us. Matter of fact, he's the new Stingray of fake fans. Mr. Oh. Negative himself, Ole Miss lover, and Stingray 2.0, Brian Haydad. I guess I'd probably thank him for his service for snuffing out the frauds. I don't know. <laughs> if there's anything I know about Brian Haydad, it's that he absolutely loves Ole Miss. <laughs> just, it's his favorite just school in the world. How tight are yeah. you in Stingray? Uh, well, uh, we aren't. Um, I've never met him. Thank God for that. Uh, I, and I, I have to give myself, you know, I don't like to pat myself on the back much. I try, to, I try to be humble. But I snuffed that guy out years ago. Like when he first came on the scene, I was like, this is not for me. People would tell me all the time, you should have him on BSR. But when I was on Bulldog Sports Radio, give him his own podcast even. And I said, there's no way I would ever do such a thing. And look at you now. I and knew I was uh, about that guy. You, you've been accused of sucking up to me as well. Which is, I mean, that's just, first off. <laughs> uh, third <laughs> question, how dare you get along with your coworkers? I mean, just what is wrong with you? I'm just, I'm just the worst person that ever lived. Yeah. I think if you, were, you had, if you were in a room with me, Hitler, and Bin Laden, and you had a gun with two bullets, you should shoot okay. me twice. Okay. No, it's amusing to me. It's almost like you've made it, though. Um, when... when Fans of the school that you cover primarily begin to turn on you and accuse you of being a fan of the other school or not loving the school that they're a fan of enough. That's when uh, when they come out. So um, it's almost like a badge of honor. Well, what I find sort of interesting for MSU fans is, and you know this, Richard, that there is this strongly held belief that you know all Ole Miss media they they only tell their they don't ever talk about the negative stuff and and and, and they don't tell the truth about you know that their program whether you believe that or not it, it's up to you so you know you have MSU fans saying that and then you also have MSU fans saying they want the exact same thing <laughs> they, they don't want me to say anything negative about mm-hmm. Mississippi State so it's like I don't know which I don't know which one to, to do so I'm just going to be me and uh just let the chips fall where they may on that one Hey, Mississippi State's playing in the Outback Bowl. I don't know if you knew that or not. I am aware of that. We are we're working on the uh, working on getting that flight book for me to get down to Tampa. There you go. You could drive. 
you know, I could. <laughs> I could do this. Yes, technically I could. How about I don't? Um, I'll be honest with you. I bet you the mileage on that would cost more than the flight. Oh, yeah, no question it would. Yeah, so, so I'm saving money. We'll, we'll do this in detail. With uh, what, After somebody else does all the work, we'll credit them, and we'll go through the bowl gifts for everybody. I was just looking back, though, and last year's Outback Bowl gifts, this was when Michigan and South Carolina met. Yeah. A Jostens ring. Okay. A fossil watch. A $125 Best Buy gift card. Very nice. A gift card to Outback Steakhouse. And That's a what I'm hoping the media gift is. I want a $100 gift card to Outback. Okay. Um, wouldn't you prefer not to have the Jostens ring, the fossil watch, and the hat? And let's make that $125 Best Buy gift card more like $350? I, I think so. I think, you know, the rings are, especially if you win the bowl game, the, the ring is cool. You yeah, know, but not schools will give you a ring anyway. Oh, so this is a different ring? Yeah, this is the this is the bowl game ring that comes from the bowl game. Oh, okay. The participation yeah, trophy, just if you will. As close to a cash equivalent to all that as you could. Yes, yeah. I, would agree, I would agree with you. Um, the Belt Bowl, they've released that for this year. They get a... Uh, well, there's like a, a watch or something, and then the rest of it is a, a gift certificate for a shopping spree at Belk. Their flagship store is in Charlotte. Some people kind of turn their nose up at that, but not only do you have clothes, but apparently they've got like an electronics section in that store as well. That's where yeah. you had the issue a couple of years ago. Was it uh, Jeremy Sprinkle at Arkansas? Jeremy Sprinkle, yeah. A little, little five-finger discount? He decided that the gift card wasn't enough. Yeah. How, how much do you have to want to steal that you're on a shopping spree, and it's not good enough. It's like, ah, I know all this is free, but I'm going to take that over there. I had a working theory that he didn't really want to play in the game, and so he did that to avoid <laughs> having to do so. The optics of that, that, stealing from Belk at the Belk Bowl is just wild to me. That's, that, yeah. that, that's the other thing, right? You stole from the title sponsor of the bowl. Will somebody let me know if an Iowa Hawkeye gets caught running out of the kitchen at Outback with like eight steaks? Blooming onion. Yeah, I, I was going to say you don't want to dine and dash at Outback while you're in no. uh, in in Tampa for the game. <laughs> that would be a bad plan. Well, hey, Outback do the press box food. That is something I might have to look into. Yeah, probably. Get so. some cheese fries going in the morning. Oh, <laughs> that's a rough way to start the day. Hey, man. Well, it's it's New Year's Day. How, how many we got? I, I, I assume I will have a little New Year's Eve celebration. I might need to get some grease on the stomach. All right. So, my question for you is this with a, a noon kickoff local time, it's an 11 o'clock central time, but a noon local time kickoff in Tampa. Yeah. And you'll need to be in the stadium by what, 9 o'clock, 8 30? That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Three hours. Yeah. Will you see the new year rung in or will you go to sleep early? You know, that's a good knowing question. that there's an early wake up call on uh, New Year's Day, I haven't seen New Year's like that moment in a, in a few years now because I'm old. Um, but at the same time, I've just been here at home with the family, so yeah. there's like you know, this is a little different situation. I'm be on the road, probably be out with some friends. I, I might make it, and then you know, I, I, I what, what does the country song say? I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. I can get through one night. Of not a lot of sleep, a little hungover. I'll be okay on New Year's Day, and then I'll I'll sleep it off on a 
on, on that night when I when we get done. Borky, you're the young guy, but you're an old soul. Well, I guess Rippy's younger than you. <laughs> yeah, you're don't a bit of an date old me soul. just yet. Do will, will, will you do legit New Year's Eve, or will you cash it in early? Uh, probably not anything crazy. We didn't last year. We did two years ago, and I don't know. If there was something closer by that was a big-time celebration, I would do it. Like, we considered going to Nashville last year, but it's a six-and-a-half-hour drive one way. To get yeah. from Jackson to Nashville. So if there was something big being put on here that I don't know about, yeah, probably so. But otherwise, we'll probably you know, go have a nice dinner somewhere and then watch the ball drop, and hopefully I'm awake to see that. Rippy, how do you roll on New Year's Eve? I guess it depends on the year and depends on where I am. Like last year, Ole Miss opened up SEC play with South Carolina, so not a whole lot. Went out for a little bit in Oxford, but it just depends. Um but I usually don't. I'm not usually not too late of a night goer in general. But um, I mean, I'll stay out every now and then. Eh, fair enough. Yeah, by me asking those questions, clearly I'm asleep by the time New Year's Central time rolls around. I'll usually see the ball drop in New York. But then it's an hour later. I'm I'm sacked out. I think. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Let's look back to Mississippi State's game against Dayton back on Friday night as we begin to look forward to what's coming up. Mississippi State with a home game tonight and then a stretch of pretty important games for the Bulldogs coming up starting on Saturday. It's Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. You guys ever stay up and watch uh, the, the late-night sports center with Scott Van Pelt? Man... I don't watch. I haven't watched a full Sports Center. I couldn't tell you the last time. It's, really? been, it's been a long, long time. I do as often as I can. It's the only good like late night, really just Sports Center show on that network anymore. Like that. That would be how I'd prefer to see the highlights is from SVP. Yeah, I would. I would say. It's just one guy's opinion that Scott Van Pelt might be the most interesting and talented guy in sports television today. I just think he's he's funny and he's good on highlights and he does a good job with interviews and he's real and you, know, you can kind of see like peeled back emotion. He does something on the Sports Center after dark every show that he leads off with called The Best Thing I Saw Today. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not on Twitter, or seen the video uh, at this point, but Here's a, the best thing I've seen today. The, um, the the memorial is ongoing for President George Bush, 41. He is laying, uh, what, in state in the, uh, the Capitol Rotunda in Washington, D.C. And 95-year-old Bob Dole, former senator, served in the military, etc., was wheeled just up to the edge of the casket in his wheelchair. And then the gentleman who was there helping him basically picks him up out of the wheelchair and steadies him for Bob Dole to issue a salute, like a military salute, to George Bush, who is laying to rest inside his casket in that uh, ceremony. It was a really moving deal. If you haven't seen that, it's worth a watch. Pretty cool stuff. Pretty 
pretty special stuff there. Just thought I'd pass that along. It's worth uh, worth checking out if you've not seen it today. Um, hey, Dad, let's turn the page to hoops for a second. I would rewind, and uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, to Friday night. Mississippi State goes to Dayton, and they win 65-58. They were down three at the half, outscored Dayton by 10 in the second half. And didn't you tell me yesterday closed the game on, what, a 21-7 to run? Yeah, down 51-44 in the closing minutes and then really came on strong to finish that game out. And just a, like you've said before, in a tough, tough environment, very, very good win for Mississippi State. Good way to start this stretch they're about, they're about to, they're getting into now that's sort of going to define this non-conference portion of the schedule for them. Anthony Grant is the head coach at Dayton, former, uh, former Alabama head coach. And uh, he's back home. It's where he played uh, high school football. Mississippi State uh, went in there ranked and then jumped up a few spots in the uh, in the polls. Now at number twenty-two, going into uh, a week. So McNeese State tonight—that's one where you're just supposed to go out and take care of business, right? Yeah, McNeese on the season. I think they're two and five. They they uh, they have they've lost some Power Five games. They were part of the uh, same tournament that Mississippi State was uh, in the in the uh, early going of it. So they've lost to St. Mary's and Arizona State. They also have a loss to SMU. Uh, only eleven wins a season ago. So not not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. I, for me, what I'm looking for in this game is you know the the urge would be to look ahead to Saturday in that game with Clemson. So I want to see how focused State is. Do they come out, get out to a quick start? That's something they've – even the games against Alcorn and Long Beach State, they didn't get out to a quick start. And then they sort of just pulled away in the, at the end of the first half and then going into the second half. So you know, can you come out, dominate from the tip, and, and put together a big, big win and give yourself a lot of momentum heading into that game up in New Jersey on Saturday? Yeah, they're going to play it in Newark at the uh, the Prudential Center as part of a doubleheader, Mississippi State against Clemson. I would be bummed if I played for Mississippi State. Not that these guys are necessarily thinking about it, but I doubt there's time for a lot of New York City stuff. Right. I, I don't know. Although on second thought, it seems like some of the teams that have been involved, involved in that event in the past have gone and toured the 9-11 Museum. In Lower Manhattan, I'm sure they'll find some time for that. And remember, State was in a uh, where were they last year? But they played in New York City, so you know a lot of the t- obviously the whole team is pretty much back. So they they sort of maybe maybe they, that's a good thing, you know. Instead of them thinking, hey, you know, I'd like to do some of this off the court stuff. Maybe they're like, hey, we've been to the city before. We've done all this stuff. We're 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 here to play basketball and win this game. So it's Clemson this Saturday. All of next week is off. And then next Saturday night, a home game against Cincinnati. That's on uh, December 15th. Surely, surely the crowd will show up for that one, right? I, th- I, I think so. I, I mean, if they, especially if they continue to win. There's no, there would be no reason not to. That, that, that's, that's the time for everybody to return to the Humphrey Coliseum. And I think they will. And then uh, to close out the month of December, Wofford, Wright State, and BYU. Before on January eighth, yeah. say what? Couple, couple other tough games. Or Wofford beat South Carolina. BYU's been a decent team. So, yeah, uh, month of December is not an easy stretch for uh, Mississippi State. Get started tonight with uh, with McNeese. But that was the State. plan. That was the plan, though, to, to be a little tougher this year in the out of conference. It certainly is a uh, a better schedule this year. Thanks, hey Dad. I right, we'll see you tomorrow. Be fun coming up next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Buddy Stevens, head coach of the national champion East Mississippi football team. That's when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. 
And if you ever Just after 4 o'clock with you on this Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. All of our guests on Sports Talk appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. One of my favorite interviews, we seem to visit with him a couple of times a year, is Buddy Stevens. He is the head coach at East Mississippi Community College, who is coming off a second consecutive national championship, and they've won five national titles in 11 years with Buddy Stevens as the head coach. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it, Coach? Yeah, yeah, I like it, but, you know, it also, you know, I was thinking about this. It, It sounded good. Talking about hey all of our uh, all of our guests here on uh, on the talk show. I thought you were going to go hey uh, they received pulsar watches or something. I'm like going hey I'm ready for my watch. We we're still trying to get our bowl gift package together. You know the NCAA <laughs> limits us to uh, to five hundred fifty dollars. So I'm sure there'll be some sort of I a gift it. suite coming for you <laughs> and a ring and a watch and a hat, maybe a backpack. There you go. There you go. Um, there you go. Yeah. Sounds good, man. It was a, it was a fun time in Kansas. So you go to Pittsburgh, Kansas this year. I mean, normally this game has has happened in uh, in the state of Mississippi. You've gone down to the Gulf Coast, and it's been that Sunday, that first Sunday, usually of, of December. This time, though, you go to Kansas, so a little bit different type venue. How was it different, just from like a logistics standpoint? Well, you know, it, it, of course, you had to drive. You know, we had to drive nine and a half hours as opposed to, you know, maybe three or four. Um, just different. They had never done it before, and that was that was a different thing. Um, the bowl game was hosted by uh, the uh, uh, Crawford County Convention and Visitors Bureau. They did an outstanding job for their first time. Uh, basically what happened was the NJCA said, hey, we're going to bid this out. Uh, and then, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know how many people actually, I think Crawford County, was the only one to bid on it, and hmm. probably bid somewhere around fifty thousand, and and uh, then rooms, and and then the payout for the bowl, and and after that, you know, it, it was it's there for the next three years, and and I thought they did a really good job, you know. And of course, it, there's no place like home. The, the Mississippi Bowl did a fantastic job, and that and the reason why it was at the Mississippi Bowl was because they would go with the higher ranked team, whatever bowl that they were attached to in 2011. We were number two. Arizona Western was number one. We had to go to Arizona and play in the El Toro Bowl. And then in 13, 14, uh, 17, we were the higher ranked team. We get to play in the Mississippi Bowl. So, you know, that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it worked out. But it was a, it was a good venue. Everybody was super super friendly, and we were just so blessed to to uh, to, to miss all that cold weather. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. Um... Folks know about your program for, for lots of reasons. You, you certainly have fans in Scuba. You've got fans all over the state of Mississippi, but you've also got fans all over the world as a result of the, the exposure that the program's gotten in, in recent years. Um, but this team was different. I mean, people are, are used to seeing you put 50 points on the board or 60 or 70 or, you know, as many lights as the scoreboard has. It's like you were able to, you know, blow out bulbs on it. You look at the final score of the national championship game, and you win a game ten to nine. And I wasn't there; I didn't get to watch it. But I assume that means you win a game because of your defense. 
without a doubt. I mean, you know, early in the season, um, we lost our starting quarterback. Uh, he tore his knee. Uh, our, 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 uh, our starter tore his knee against East Central. We lost our best offensive lineman, who's a Mississippi State commit, uh, LaQuestion Sharp. He, 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 he tore his, he broke a leg. Uh, we lost a, our starting safety to, uh, uh, uh broke, uh, cracked vertebrae in his neck. And we lost another one of our offensive linemen, uh, that was diagnosed with cancer about week six. So, you know, with a 55 man roster, we went there and we were already short on offense. And, uh, and that, you know, that, that, that hurt us. Uh, but I felt like, you know, defensively, we, you know, we, we've got some, we got some dudes that can play. And, uh, our, our coaching staff did a great job of getting them ready. And, uh, you know, we couldn't, you know, whether we were going to win or whether we were going to lose, we weren't going to whine about it. Uh, you know, they, they have 85 guys and they, they had four guys from the state of Kansas. We had, we walked over there with 51 and, uh, and, and 47 of those guys were from the, from the state of uh, Mississippi, and I'm gonna tell you something. Our guys, our guys played lights out. I mean, I was so proud of our defense. I was so proud of our guys. Just uh, extremely uh, happy with, with how they played. And, uh, and I'm gonna tell you something. Our defense uh, all year long was just a uh, really, really good. And if you go back and you look at it, so were our defenses in 13 and 14. This year was as close to a 13-14 type defense as we've had in a while. Visiting with Buddy Stevens, head coach at East Mississippi, they uh, they won the national championship, fifth national championship in the eleven years that he's been the head coach in uh, in Scuba. Did you have to change the way you approached games, like from an offensive game planning standpoint, this year because of the limitations with injuries and and other things? No, no. Well, we we're gonna we're gonna run our you know, and it's it's just our mantra. We're gonna run what we run offensively and defensively and special teams. We didn't do anything. We didn't change anything. We tried to continue to run it uh, because it's what we do. It's what we know, um, and and we're going to continue to just try to run. Now we may have run the ball a few more times than we normally did, uh, but but just it's still the same stuff, you know. And it's and when it comes down to it, you know, we're, I, it's not. It's you know, we're not building a piano and we're not putting together a space shuttle. It's just football, and all we want to do is is be as good as we can be. At what we do in any given day, and we didn't want to change anything. We just wanted to do what we do. And if if the chip, if the chips fell to where we were going to win, that that's we were we would accept whatever happened. What do you think would be harder to build, a piano or a space shuttle? <laughs> I'm thinking space shuttle. Yeah, you know, probably so. Pretty, a few more moving parts. Forward, you know? <laughs> yes, that, that seems to make sense. How good was Garden City, the the opponent that you had in the national championship game? They were really good. I mean, they, they had uh, they were their starting uh, right tackle was six nine. Their starting left tackle was six seven, and they were all they were they were big everywhere in between. They were really really good. Um, I think uh, you know they were they uh, they. But I, I I'll be honest with you. I think they were probably the second. Uh, they would have been probably the second or third best team we played in our league. I mean, Jones had a really good team. I thought Northwest and Colin had a really good team. So, I mean, they were they were they were as good as 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 the elite teams in this league. They were just a whole lot bigger, you know. Yeah. And uh, they had some really big running backs. Both their running backs were our uh, FBS commits. Both of them were uh, redshirt sophomores, and uh, both of them had rushed for over 1,100 yards. So. 
that was that in itself was was a was a scary thing. But um, they were they were they were very very good. Buddy Stevens on your radio, you, you mentioned forty seven of the fifty one that, that you took to Kansas for the national championship game were from the state of Mississippi, and we've been talking about defense. Is what you're able to bring in kind of based on what's exceptional in Mississippi in a given year? I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, are there, are there years where it's just a better crop of defensive guys and therefore your defense looks like it did this year or like it did in 13 and 14? Or is it pretty balanced every year offensively and defensively? Well, this year, I mean, this year for us, you know, two years ago we had a really good crop state in-state defensive linemen that did a really good job of uh, we did a really good job of recruiting, and so therefore it turned out to where this year it came to fruition. They were really good. If you go back and you look at the 13 and 14 year teams, and even 2011, you know, I mean, uh, 2011, all four of the starters across the front were out of state guys, uh, and they, you know, one played for the Ravens, one played for the Chargers, one played for the Bills, and and the other one played for the Raiders. And the two, the ones with the Ravens and Raiders are still playing, you know. Um, this year, uh, you know, we 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 had a really good crop of in-state guys, but, and, and it, just like it is now, this year, this recruiting year, the 2019 signing class, Mississippi is loaded with good football players and really good defensive football players, loaded with a lot of really good running backs, loaded with a lot of a lot of good defensive linemen, and loaded with a, got a lot of good offensive linemen this year. So, you know, that that in turn. Uh, we'll we'll try to we'll try to fit our out of state guys in with where where the deficiencies are in Mississippi in the recruiting if you know whatever that is if it's maybe we didn't we didn't we weren't able to sign a great safety we may go out and sign an out of state safety but this year Mississippi's got a lot of really good football players. We'll talk more about uh, recruiting and how that happens when you are at a junior college in Mississippi, how you target guys, how you kind of rank them and and are guessing as to who's going the D1 route or who's going the four-year route versus who's going to have an opportunity to play in uh, in community college. We'll do that when we continue our conversation with Buddy Stevens coming up in just a couple of minutes at Sports Talk Mississippi. We're also going to try and go track down a Pulsar watch during the break and uh, see if we can get that on the wrist of Buddy Stevens when we come back. at Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.f. M. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey in the studio and continuing our conversation with Buddy Stevens, head coach at East Mississippi. Hey, Buddy, our, my, my producer, our, our producer, Michael Borky, who is the one that called you a little while ago, is uh, is getting married on Saturday. It's his first time to get married, so uh, you know this is all new to him, and we are soliciting advice for Michael as he gets ready to get married in four days. You got anything to offer? Yeah, I mean the the best thing he can do is say yes, dear, no, dear, and um, you know uh, I, whatever you say, dear. Uh, I think that is a happy wife, happy life, buddy. Good luck. Hey, uh, to uh, to borrow a football term, he has certainly outkicked his coverage. <laughs> you keep saying that. Like is that it. a way to it. call me it. ugly or? No, man. Just just trust me. You, <laughs> you got you. kicked your coverage. Trust me. Uh, I, I am well aware. So, 
Buddy, you mentioned a second ago this this upcoming recruiting class in the state of Mississippi, and there's been so much talk about the fact that the, with Division One prospects, this year is as good as it's been in a long time in the state of Mississippi. Is there a correlation to a Division One prospect class being really, really good in the state of Mississippi and there being a trickle-down effect? To, to you as well, and, and I know there's some guys that are D1 guys that, that that you end up with as well, but there's some that aren't. So so does it is it related? It, you know, not really, because if you're a Division One football player, they're going to find you, and they're going to they're going to get you qualified if you're if you're close. Uh, it, you know, just the, the fact that there's there's a bunch more that there, there'll be other people offer them. I promise you. You know, if there's if there's if there's say seventy five uh, big time Division one athletes, they'll get Division one offers. It's not going to trickle down to the community college or or whatever. It may it's, it may if it trickles down, it's going to trickle down from FBS to to uh, to you know group of power five, group of five, and then down to the FCS. Uh, you know it, that's that's the trickle down effect, and then the and then you know and then that's when the trickle down effect gets us is because you may get those guys that that possibly would have had a division uh, an FCS offer that that may not get that now. Uh, that that's when it'll trickle down to us. But usually it, it's not a, we don't see a, a great uh, a, a great trickle down of, of, of qualified athletes where we where we'll. I think the big thing is is just to find out exactly how many are going to qualify, and then how many of the ones that do qualify get the offers that they want. You know, if you look at if you were watching the national championship game, you saw here at Kitchens and you saw Everett Cunningham uh, have great great ball games. Well, those two guys were qualifiers coming out of high school. They just didn't get the offer that they wanted, and those are the those are the players that we're looking for. Uh, along with the non-qualifiers, that uh, that we can help get qualified and get onto the next level, but uh, there's not a great trickle down effect. So, how do you uh, how do you approach recruiting from the time that your season ends until uh, wh- whenever you finish up the process? And has there been an effect that, that's been tangible to you guys by the early signing period um, that, that's coming up on December nineteenth? Yeah, the early signing period affects us in that there's a lot more people worried about those high school. You know, the, the Division One coaches are a lot more worried about those high school kids getting them signed and getting them locked in, and they don't spend as much time, it seemed like, uh, last year now, uh, on recruiting community college, junior college athletes. Now, this year it's been a lot better, and I think they're used to it with it being the second year. Um, so that's that's been a that's been a big change this year is that there's been a lot more traffic coming through. Not necessarily because we have better athletes, it's because you know they're, they're, they they've decided this is how they're going to spend their time on the road recruiting, and uh, this is what we're going to look for. Uh, but for us, I mean, uh, you know, our, our recruiting, what we look for is, you know, we're going to look for the absolute best football player uh, that has the best attitude that we can put into our team. You know, and a lot of times. You know, a lot of times people in the recruiting world they use uh, they use the fact that we have we have a lot of athletes and there's a lot of uh, uh, you know there's a lot of competition here and uh, you come here and you you know you, you come to my school and you want, you're going to start you go there you're going to be you're going to be one of the one of the guys competing for a job and 
you know, I think that the ones we want is we want the guys that, that want to come compete, that want to come and, and be challenged and, and be, be a part of the, what we feel like is the best program in the, and not only in the state, but in the country. I know that's, I know that's, that's probably boastful, but, you know, that's, that's how we have to sell it, too. No, I completely understand that. How much negative recruiting do you deal with? Uh, you deal with a lot, and I, you know, you, people are going to tell them. You know, they're going to tell them all these different things about you. Know, you, don't, you don't go there. You know, they're going to they're going to bring in an out of stater in your spot, or you know, and that that negative recruiting goes on not only in the in the junior community college level, but it goes on. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand in 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 the SEC and in you know big time Division One. Everybody's always trying to get a leg up, and you know, the, the, have I been have I been guilty of it? Yeah, and that's when you feel uh, the most uh, embarrassed and most ashamed is when when you've actually done some negative recruiting because somebody else did some negative recruiting to you, and and that doesn't make it right. Two rights don't make a wrong. So uh, we try to stay away from it. We try to sell uh, East Mississippi and what we do and how good we do it, and uh, come here and. And be challenged. Uh, if you're a defensive player, uh, play against the best offense. If you're an offensive player, play against the best defense. And uh, every single day in practice, and um, you know that, that's that. Hopefully, we can stay away from that. But yeah, it comes into play. I, I promise. Sports Talk Mississippi visiting with Buddy Stevens. We're talking about East Mississippi. They won another national championship, fifth in eleven years with Buddy Stevens as the head coach. When we visited in Senatobia a couple of months back, we talked a little bit about Chad Kelly, uh, who is obviously a, a former quarterback of yours. Uh, you told us that you know you continue to have a good relationship, you stay in touch. It, it felt like when we visited last time, he was right on the verge of really getting a big opportunity with Denver. Obviously, some poor decisions off the field. Have you talked to Chad in, in the last month or so, and anything you can pass along? Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. We we communicated, and and uh, you know he's 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 keeping in good spirits, and you know he knows that uh, uh, you know he's the he's the master of his destiny, and uh, it's gonna he's gonna go as far as uh, as he'll allow himself to go. But uh, you know we're we're in continuous you know conversation, uh, in continuous counsel. I know he seeks counsel, and and uh, you know we we continuously uh, pray for him, and hopefully that you know good things good things will happen, and. Uh, you know, I, I just I, I hope I hope the best for the young man because you know he's been through been through a lot, and as yeah. we all have, you know, we all make mistakes, and sometimes those mistakes are self uh, self driven, and sometimes they're not. But you know, he, he just gotta he's gonna do the best he can at, at being the best Chad he can be. But buddy, do you think there's still an opportunity for him, whether it's in one of these new professional leagues, the AAF that starts this year, or, or maybe going the route of, of Canadian football? Do you do you think there's still a chance for him to to get back under center and have a chance to play quarterback professionally? Oh, I, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I do. I think I think it's going to take it's going to take you know him coming and doing what he's what he knows he can do, play well, um, you know, and, and and avoid any any type of distraction. Uh, you know, on the field, off the field, or anything, and, and do, the, do the absolute dead level best he can do to, to to be the to be the best Chad on the field and off the field he can possibly be. And I, if he does that, oh yeah, I think there's plenty of uh, plenty of room. Believe me, I, I've, I've the things that we see nowadays. Yeah, there's there's plenty of room to for him to still have an opportunity to do well. And I think you'll I think you'll see pretty soon that uh, he'll ha- he'll have that opportunity. 
All right, you won another national championship, so you can't ask for that for Christmas. What's the one thing that uh, that would make you happy on Christmas morning if you opened it up? <laughs> oh, man, uh, the one thing, to be totally honest with you, is to be with my family and for everybody to be happy and healthy. Um, I've got an offensive lineman named William Barnett who who is uh, diagnosed with uh, uh, lymphoma uh, this, this past uh, year in, in about week six or seven. And for him to continue his uh, his 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 recovery, and uh, those are those are the two things, you know, happiness and health for our family and and, and, and our, our our players, and that's that's it, buddy. If I if I can get that, I mean, that's that's all anybody can ask for. I don't know if we can put wrapping paper and a, and a ribbon on those two things, but that's uh, that's two pretty good Christmas wishes, buddy. You're always generous with your time. I really appreciate you coming and uh, and spending a couple of segments with us this afternoon. Congratulations again, and all the best to you. We'll be watching. Thank you, buddy. Y'all have a great night. Merry Christmas. There you go. Merry Christmas to you as well, buddy Stevens, head coach at East Mississippi. They won ten to nine over Garden City in the Junior College National Championship game. Got a field goal. Five minutes into the game, got an interception return for a touchdown with 12 minutes to go in the second quarter, and then they played defense the rest of the ball game. Won at 10 to 9, fifth national championship, one more, and they will be tied for the most national championships won by any junior college in the United States. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming supertalk.fm. Good to have you along for the ride on this Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad was with us earlier on the Farm Bureau phone line. Got Brian Scott Rippey in the studio as well. So, what'd you guys think of Buddy Stevens? Entertaining and honest as always. You know where you stand with him. He's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And a good football coach. I'll be interested to see if there's a point somewhere along the way where um, a major Division One school, whether it's Power 5 or Group of 5, makes a run at him maybe to be an offensive coordinator. And I, I, I don't know what his level of interest would be in that. You know, after you've been a head coach for 11 years, even if it's at the, the junior college level, would you want to make a step down to offensive coordinator, even if it was a step up in salary and a, you know, a step up in – in football level, or do you hold out and see if an opportunity arises one day to be a division one or a division one head coach? I don't know. Winning titles seems like fun, though. Can you imagine five national championships in eleven years? Somebody sent us a text message a, a little while ago that said uh, that was on the C Spire text line. You can text the show six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. C Spire customer inspired said. You know, they were a fight away from five consecutive national championships. They've only had back-to-back winners three times. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There have been only three schools who have won back-to-back national championships at the junior college level twice. And obviously East Mississippi is one of those. Won it in 13 and 14. Now they've won it in 17 and 18 as well. So, appreciate uh, Buddy Stevens joining us. Uh, least shocking news of the uh, of the the post football season landscape 
A.J. Brown announcing that he is headed to the NFL draft. What do we know, Rippy? Um, I guess just precisely that, that he is headed to the NFL draft after three years. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly not a surprising decision. I think it was just a matter of when he would announce. What, um, is he a first-rounder? It depends on where you look right now. I'm not going to pretend to try to be a draft expert because I, I'm far from it on that. But in some some boards he is, some boards he's not. It, it just kind of depends. You know, I saw a couple of things today that said you know, he was the leader in the clubhouse to be the first wide receiver off the board. Others think otherwise. It just kind of depends. Still a long way out, too. Yeah. Um, I've seen some draft analysts today, I mean, when, when the announcement came out, say things like, well, there's one of your first-round wide receivers. Things like that. It's It seems like it, it's a consensus, unless he doesn't test very well, which one look at him tells you he's probably going to test pretty well. Uh, he's going to be a first-round pick. Is he the best wide receiver in Ole Miss history? Yeah. I'll, yeah, probably, yes. Just given the time in which he played and kind of him, whether he meant to be or not, inadvertently becoming a kind of the face of an embattled program, I, I would I would say when that factors into it as well as on-field production, I would, I'd probably say yeah. You know, from a numbers standpoint, you, you look at where he's been numbers-wise and he's rewritten the, the record books at Ole Miss. Um, most passing yards in a season – uh, goes over 3,000 yards for his career. First to have back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, all-time yards leader. Uh, just has has littered the record books. And yet, Borky, did, didn't you say a week ago, underutilized? Especially this season. I mean, it, it sounds silly, but seven receptions a game is, is not enough for a, a guy of his talent. I mean... He should have gotten double-digit or more receptions every game, and uh, maybe especially down the stretch in some of these close ones, they would have, have pulled one out. Um, but still, when you break those kind of records, it's it's hard to say that. That's just kind of my hot take of the day is he was underutilized there. Particularly Trying in the red th- zone, shows up in the six touchdowns. It's a touchdown every other game. Yeah, that, to me, that's the number where you go, hold on now, you you got to be better than that. And I know there were a bunch of weapons, especially early in the year, and you're trying to spread the ball around. But that's a guy who, minimum, should have double-digit touchdown catches. I mean, beyond that, Rippy touched on it. it. I said on Twitter, and it's kind of hyperbole, but kind of not. I think Ole Miss needs to put a statue up at the stadium of A.J. Brown. Because... Where is that program in – yes, I know they just went 5-7, and seven, but from an attitude standpoint, through the, the two bull bands and through the Hugh Freeze resigning in shame without A.J. Brown. He was the one the, – the strong voice in that locker room and, and publicly when all of those things unfolded and were handed down, it could have been really easy for a guy like him – to just say, forget it, man. I didn't sign up for this. I, I came here to play for Hugh Freeze. I came here to compete for championships. And you're telling me I can't even go to bowl games. And I'm not going to play for Hugh Freeze anymore. I'm the best receiver in the country. I'm out. I'm going to go win a title somewhere else. But through all of that stuff that happened in the program, none of which was his doing or his fault or he was involved in, 
or had any idea it was coming, and he was the one strong voice, I'm not going anywhere, I'm taking over, this is my team, and, and I would... I'd be shocked if a lot of players that were maybe considering leaving didn't because of somebody like A.J. Brown. That school is forever indebted to, to A.J. Brown and, and the way he attacked all of the negative that happened to those two football teams because of his strength during it all. They owe him a lot there. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. And, and I think maybe to a slightly lesser degree, you put... Greg Little in the exact same category because Greg Little is a guy that if he had wanted to transfer, he could have done so. He would not have had to have sit out, and he could have – I mean, Greg Little, if he had wanted to, could have been starting on the offensive line at Alabama this year or at Texas A&M or at Oklahoma. Anywhere or he wanted. Clemson or Clemson. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really name your spot. And yet he said, no, I'm going to stay put. I'm good. Yeah, maybe he didn't want to move. Maybe he was happy. Maybe he liked Oxford. You know, whatever the reason was, he decided to stay put. And, you know, you never got the mass exodus that you could have had, that, that a lot of people predicted. Were there players that left? Absolutely there were. And not only, only were there players that left, there were players that left and were impact players elsewhere. Van Jefferson was the leading receiver for Florida this year. Um, Trey Nixon left a couple of years ago, and he was one of the top pass catchers for UCF uh, this season, a team that went undefeated. Um, he had a couple of other guys that left and, and were in the mix or, or played significant minutes at other places this year. But you never got that mass exodus. And there may be something borky to it, uh, to, to what you said. When, when guys are looking around, they're going, uh, wait, A.J. Brown's not going to leave? Greg Little's not going to leave. He he could go anywhere he wanted to. I mean, he could go immediately, almost like a free agent, go play for a team that is an odds-on favorite to to be in the college football playoff. He stayed put. There may be something to the idea that you know when when players on the roster looked around and saw that those guys didn't make a move, that maybe it helped them decide to stay put as well. I was trying to think through who the other wide receivers you would put on that in that greatest of all time discussion at Ole Miss. Um, you know, I may be rewinding back too far for you guys. This is early two thousands. Chris Collins was really, really good as a wide receiver uh, when Eli Manning was quarterback. Um, obviously, Laquan Treadwell is is in the conversation somewhere. Dante Moncrief's got to be in the conversation somewhere. Shea Hodge had a record that got broken this year, didn't he? Right. Yardage well, the, the all-time yardage record belonged to Shea Hodge that, that A.J. Brown broke. So he probably deserves to be in the conversation. Mike Wallace was really good. He's gone on to have a good pro career. Um, so there have been some good wide receivers that have, have come through here. Moncrief, hey. un- unfortunately for him, had to deal with the back end of, of Houston Nutt and just complete ineptitude offensively. So if he would have had anybody that was competent his first couple of years playing wide receiver, he would have been chasing those kind of records himself. Couple of uh, college football nuggets. Louisville has officially named Scott Satterfield its head coach. We told you yesterday it looked like that was going to happen. 
Cliff Kingsbury has been officially named offensive coordinator at Southern Cal. It's not a bad landing spot. You get fired from your alma mater after moderate success over the course of six years, and you get to go be the offensive coordinator in sunny Southern California. I guess the real estate's probably more expensive in Los Angeles than in Lubbock, right? I guess probably you can so. It, you would think. Sports Talk Mississippi, more coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.